This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. I want to get You know, this could be the theme song of Eric Adams' Swagger Man with no plan. The mayor of the city of New York has taken off to appear at the anti-Semitism conference in uh, Athens in Greece. And it's interesting, he's always so squirrely, he's always such an enigma. He can never give you a straight answer to a question, which is... Well, it actually came at him in City Hall yesterday while he was wearing another new $5,000 suit. I might add, Lou, not off the rack. We're not talking men's wholesale outlet. Now we're talking about a customized $5,000 suit. I've actually been tracking him. Uh, next week, I'll let you know where he buys his suits from and who is his customized tailor. I don't know how he can afford it. $5,000 each customized suit. But anyway, he was asked a simple question. How, Mr. Mayor, are you going to pay for your trip to Athens and then your continued trip to Qatar where you say you are going to spend three days at World Cup to learn about how the Qatarians are doing security in advance of the World Cup, which will be in the Meadowlands, not in New York City, but at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, Secaucus, in 2026. Is that trip to Greece and Qatar taxpayer funded? Oh, uh, which one? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the host of the anti-Semitism uh, mayoral conference, uh, they're picking that up. And for the uh, the uh, Cutter's trip, uh, I'm, it's on my dime. When I do my dime, I could do my time. And I won't hear one, anyone whine. <laughs> what the hell did that mean? <laughs> Hold on, Lou. I realize he's anointed himself the hip-hop mayor. But, man, I'm street, and I couldn't even figure that out. Can we play that last part of it again as he refuses to answer? Who's paying for the rest of the trip to Qatar for three days, and obviously the trip back from Qatar, we would think, here to New York City? And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. Man, you know, I'm going to be on with Sid tomorrow. 705, I'm going to stick this to him. Maybe he can translate what the hell that means. Let me tell you, um, Macedonian Phil, I got a job for you. I want you to track the jet tail for Brock Pierce. You know how that young guy, Jack Sweeney, that kid in Florida, would trace Elon Musk, his flights all over the world on his private jets? You do it through 
the jet tail number. And I want you to track Rock Pierce. Uh, Rock Pierce is a billionaire, Bitcoin bandit, cryptocurrency, Ponzi scammer, blockchain criminal, like so many of them, that are now housed, uh, they're called crypto colonizers in Puerto Rico, where it's a tax shelter and obviously they're offshore. And recently he was working uh, the crowd at Somos, which is the annual Democratic uh, convention after the midterm elections. Actually, it's every year after the election cycle. And all the Democrats were out there getting wine, dine, and pocket line. And who was there, Lou, meeting with his very dear friend, Eric Adams? It was Brock Pierce, who claims, I wasn't lobbying them. I was educating them. I guarantee you, it's Brock Pierce, who has flown the mayor many times on his private jet before, Especially, I believe, to that vacation he took during the campaign against me to Monaco. We've never quite figured that out, Lou. Why the hell would Eric Adams have wanted to spend an entire week in Monaco? I mean, I hadn't heard of Monaco since Robin Leach was alive. Remember doing the uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. But anyway, uh, with Eric Adams, there's only one thing that counts, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about you. It's all about him. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. I won't even answer a straight question. You really think Eric Adams has the wealth to be able to buy $5,000 customized suits And, I mean, he's got more suits than Imelda Marcos had shoes in her closet there in the Philippines. Uh, And then pay for private travel from Athens to Qatar and then back to New York City? Really? What does he make? About $265,000 a year. Probably doesn't have many write-offs. Has to pay taxes. Figure he pays maybe 35%. He's probably got other expenses. Uh. Come on, Luke. There's no freaking way he's paying for these $5,000 customized suits that are not off the rack and private a private trip from Athens to Qatar. Three days in Qatar. Who's paying for that? Uh, plus, he's got to have an entourage, right? And then flying back to New York at no cost to the city taxpayer. Bullfeathers. Bullfeathers. And by the way, if he's going to learn about security that the Qatarians are using for World Cup... He didn't need to have to travel to Qatar right here in New York City, as was explained yesterday on his show. The greatest mayor ever in the history of New York City, the law and order mayor, my Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, explained that he was the one who trained the Qatarians in security a few years ago. You can hear Rudy. I'm sure he's going to comment on it again today from 3 to 4 exclusively on WABC. I spent... um with uh, Giuliani, safety and security, and must have been altogether subcontractors, contractors, and everything else. We had about 15 people working there. Uh, The main focus was they were going to have the Asian Games as a prelude to what they're doing now and and what they hope to do in the future, uh, have big events in Qatar. And we helped uh, design the security for those games and they really didn't have much of a police force. Uh, and we helped them design uh, the contours of a police force and uh, been back there several times since then. It uh, stayed with them through the Asian Games, attended the Asian Games, uh, which is the basis for a lot of the security they're doing now. Uh, 
So, I mean, it's kind of funny that Adams is going to Qatar to learn about security. And uh, when I was mayor, Qatar wanted to learn about security from me. Wow. I, I nailed it. And whatever happened to uh, Sid Rosenberg's plans, he claims December 14th will be a sit-down between Rudy Giuliani and Eric Adams so that Eric Adams can sort of, uh, you know, get better at public safety and security and policing because he's done a horrible job. In fact, I noticed that his son, Andrew Giuliani, was on this morning with Sid Rosenberg, and they were talking exactly about that. Mayor Adams wants to actually make the city a better place, dust off a playbook called the Giuliani playbook that was invented in 1994 in New York City. If he does that, then he'll be a successful mayor. And guess what? All of us and our kids will live in a much better place because of it. Look, Andrew has signed off on that, right, Lou? Right, Andrew said, that's good. Now, tomorrow I'm going to be on with Lou, uh, excuse me, with Sid and you, Lou, and I'm going to pin him down, 705, whatever happened to that dinner. You said it was going to be December 14th. I know it said Eric Adams is doing the rope-a-dope here. Anyway, today, what a double O disgrazia taking place at Lincoln Center, sponsored by the old gray lady, the New York Times. They are hosting as their keynote speaker, Sam Bankman-Fried. Never trust anybody with three names. This is the guy who looked like that 15-year-old kid at summer camp who fell out of his bunk bed, who ripped off millions, make that billions of dollars. As the head of FTX selling those, those Bitcoins. He's a Bitcoin criminal. He's a cryptocurrency Ponzi scammer. He is being protected by the crooked Bahamian government, who obviously got paid off. So I want to see if he actually comes on the stage, because immediately Interpol should arrest him. FBI should arrest him. SEC should arrest him, Right. They should take him out in chains and shackles, but I bet you I know what the New York Times is going to do. They're going to have him in on Zoom, and they're going to, oh, look, it's Sam. Oh, my God, he belongs in jail. He belongs in jail. And who is his biggest supporter? Friend of Sid Rosenberg. I mean, they call him the Mooch, Scarmucci. reminds me of the guys I grew up in Bensonhurst. They used to be in a boiler room operation. You know, like uh, <laughs> the movie with, who was that, Diesel and Ed Norton. Remember Boiler Room? In which they were pumping and dumping penny stocks. This is what Scarmucci had to say about his very dear friend, Sam Bankman-Fried, the uh, modern day, oh, my God, white-collar crook of the century. Full disclosure, you know, I I liked him. I had a relationship with him. Uh, He was the chief sponsor of the SALT conference. You know about the SALT conference. I've been doing it for 10 or 12 years. Um, I entered into a relationship with him in August where I sold him 30% of the company. Thank God I didn't sell him more than that. Uh, You know, he gave me cash. He asked me to put $10 of the cash into those FTT tokens. In the spirit of that partnership, I I decided to do that. Those tokens went to zero. Bernie Madoff Jr., where's the cash? Did Scarmucci report the cash? You think Sid asked him? Remember, Sid, right? Didn't Sid go to Baruch with his number two pencil at one time because J-Lo was there? Didn't he want to become an accountant like a lot of good Jewish boys? You know, couldn't he crunch the numbers and say, hey, Mooch, Did you ever report that sale to the IRS? Did you ever report the purchase of uh, what were called Sam coins at one time? 
the FTX Bitcoins are now called scam coins. I guarantee you he never did. By the way, what's his restaurant called, Lou? Is that the Bergen Hunt Fish and Shoot Human Beings restaurant in honor of John Gotti Sr.? Used to have that on 101st in uh, South Ozone Park. Anyway, uh, also scheduled to appear, but I don't know how he's going to do this, Macedonian Phil. Maybe he'll he'll be zooming in also. Is Eric Adams, swagger man, who's the number one supporter of the cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme, is Bitcoin bandits and blockchain criminals. And even with all the Michigash going on in that uh, arena, is Eric Adams actually doubling, tripling down his support of cryptocurrency, which is a fraud. I believe in the new markets and the new currencies, and I'm encouraging my young people to learn about them. We had a, a crypto summit um, that was uh, partnered with the owners of um, the New York Nets, uh, where we brought young people in to learn about these industries. These industries are not going to go away because they reach low points. This is an industry that we must embrace, and I'm looking to further leaning into uh, blockchain and other technologies. Yes, my, my money's already there. I took my first three paychecks. In Bitcoin, what happened to all the paychecks afterwards uh, when Bitcoin crashed, right? You'll never, you'll never be able to afford, Eric Adams, $5,000 customized suits. That's what each of his suits cost. It's customized by a tailor. It's not off the rack. And private travel from Athens to Qatar, three-day stay in Qatar, it's very expensive for you and your entourage, and then travel back from Qatar to JFK, and you claim, could I hear what he's saying, He's gonna how he's going to pay for that, uh, you know, how we need to mind our own business, his trip to Qatar, please? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. 2A, Lou, 2A. And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. That's how he's going to pay for it. Uh, I still don't know what the hell he's talking about. The point is, is that the man must come forward and stop being an enigma. There's just no way the mayor of the city of New York is undertaking personally the expenditure of a trip, again, from Athens, on his dime, as he said, to Qatar. Three days in Qatar with him and his entourage. A trip back to JFK from Qatar to JFK. Uh, That's a lot of money. And that's money he can't afford, not with his personal income and not with the fact that he already spends for all of his suits. And look at it. All you got to do is look at the press conference. Uh, Who's better dressed? His friend, Sid Rosenberg. Uh, His tailor is Joseph Aboud. Or Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Maybe they can all com- compare one another's wardrobe. I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty with Sid tomorrow, Thursday, 7.05. You want to be listening. Because I think I'm going to uh, tell Sid, his very dear friend, where Eric Adams actually buys his $5,000 suits from and who his tailor is. And it's going to blow Sid's mind because he's going to say, you think... You think he'd, he'd give me some suits, uh, you know, uh, on the arm? What, are you going to throw Joseph Aboud under the bus, Sid? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. No doubt at this anti-Semitic conference in Athens, you are probably going to have the Lubavitchers, world travelers, who are there to rescue any uh, wayward Jews like uh, Sid, Sid Rosenberg, you know, BLT Jew. But anyway, it's the perfect music. There's no doubt in my mind that Eric Adams, as he takes to the stage... To speak to this World Conference on Anti-Semitism, which is a growing, growing problem. We'll probably have Lubavitcher music in the background. I think so. For the Rebbe, because, oh, they all embrace him now. He, he goes to the graveside of the, the Menachem Schneerson every year. He dobbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is going to, if he's a really good guy, which I doubt. Let me give you an idea of what I think. Eric Adams will do as he is uh, speaking to this anti-Semitism conference in Athens. Naturally, like all speakers, hey, is this, uh, is this working? Can you hear me out there? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Well, let me, let me thank my uh, hosts here who paid for all of my expenses and my entourage to come out here to speak about a very serious problem, anti-Semitism. It affects us in America and I know it's a growing problem in the world. To my to my Greek friends, of which uh, I know many, Yasu, Efkat uh, Risto, yes, yes, uh, I, I am so grateful. And you should know that when I'm at Greek diners in New York City, I love Greek diners, I'm always ordering the moussaka and the spanikopita because I'm a vegetarian. That's right, I'm a vegetarian. Don't <laughs> say, yes, okay. But my real purpose in being here is not just as Mayor Eric Adams of New York City, which I might add has uh, more Jews living in the five boroughs that I preside over than there are Jews living in Tel Aviv. No, I want to acknowledge, and I'm saying this for the very first time, I am a recovering anti-Semite. And this is a problem that exists amongst many young black men when they're in their early young adult years. And there's a reason for that. I'm going to go into that. But every day I think back to the 1990s and how I was so lost, how I was so lost. So I know that many of you here at the conference, you have seen recently the statements of uh, Kanye West, Yeezy, yay. Probably many of your children, grandchildren, you know, they were on Instagram. They bought his products. They bought his sneakers. And you were all very offended. In fact, uh, let me just give you one idea. If you look up at the big screen recently, this is what Kanye Rest, uh, Yeezy, a.k.a. Ye, had to say about Jews. 
The thing about the red hat that drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a, I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor and what hospital and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. (laughs) Now, I know, I know that's uh, virulent. And uh, you might think there's no hope for Kanye. There is hope. Because he, too, can become a recovering anti-Semite. In fact, today I'm announcing the start of a new foundation, Anti-Semites Anonymous. Because there are so many of us. And some of the most famous rappers in the world have actually jumped on board, briefly as it may be, that many of your children and grandchildren have listened to, even some of you, because some of these rappers are AARP, Ice Cube, Dougie Fresh, Snoop Dogg, Fat Joe, P. Diddy, Foxy Brown, Ja Rule, Redman, and even LL Cool J. Why? Because they came under the guise like I did of the number one anti-Semite in the world. We're still alive, still kicking, and still influencing so many in our community, like the rappers that I just mentioned, and like me in the 1990s. You brought them out of college and high school and gave them a contract. You gave them a contract because you saw their talent. Haven't they made money for you all? So now you sign them up, and then Adidas comes by, and Nike comes by, and gives them a lot of money that they don't see. You have them on a leash. It's Louis Rakan. And as you know, he has visited with uh, Erdogan in Turkey, an anti-Semite. He has uh, been received in the palace, full accords of the nation. And he has been received by the Ayatollah in Tehran, virulent anti-Semite, and accorded uh, almost uh, international recognition. You got to understand that I am a recovering anti-Semite. And let me tell you this tale in the 90s. It haunts me to this day. I was mesmerized by Farrakhan like a lot of other young African-American men were. In fact, I went to Mosque Number 7, which was the Nation of Islam's mosque in Manhattan in Harlem, presided over by Conrad Muhammad. He was the leader of that mosque. He, too, is a recovering anti-Semite now. His name is Reverend Conrad Tillard. He recently ran for the state Senate. I supported him uh, against... uh, uh, radical elements of my party, uh, but the voters said no because they remembered him as Conrad Muhammad, a virulent anti-Semite. But he, too, is a recovering anti-Semite. That was 1991. But it didn't end there. You may have remembered in 1991 there were riots against the Jews known as the Lubavitches. It was in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And even though I was a member of the New York City Police Department at that time, I supported Al Sharpton as he marched against the Jews, the Lubavitchers in Crown Heights, and as he called them diamond merchants. Yes, I must tell you, look, uh, Reverend Herbert Dowtry was the one who influenced me into becoming a New York City police officer at his church on Atlantic Avenue, and he hated the Jews in Crown Heights. I, 
I must admit, I was under their control. And then I went so far that in 1992, I turned to my very dear friend, David Dinkins, who became my mentor. And as many of you might know, I said that if elected mayor of the city of New York, I want to be just like David Dinkins was from 1988 to 1992. But at that particular point, David Dinkins denounced Louis Farrakhan, who was to speak in Madison Square Garden. And I said to David Dinkins, if you denounce Farrakhan, I will support Rudy Giuliani for mayor. Look, go to my Wikipedia. You can see it. It's there forever. I know many of you are shocked because you all know that I won't even meet with Rudy Giuliani. I won't even break unleavened bread with Rudy Giuliani. But I threatened David Dinkins. I said, my very dear friend, you have denounced the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And because of that, I will support Rudy Giuliani, which he did. And I did. And then uh, in 1993, I challenged the sitting congressman in Brooklyn, Major Owens. Why? Simply because he had denounced Minister Louis Farrakhan. I challenged him for his congressional seat, and I used members of the Nation of Islam to gather up my signatures to qualify for the run. Look, you can see it's all, all in Wikipedia. I'm not, I'm not just coming before you to, uh, to try to let you know how bad I was. It's more about how bad it can become for a lot of young African-Americans who are under the control of Louis Farrakhan. And then in 1994, and I don't know if I can ever recover from this, I attacked Herman Badillo, the great figure in the Latino community, first Puerto Rican congressman ever to serve in the House, and uh, someone who uh, tried many times to become mayor and came ever so close. And I publicly condemned Herman Badillo for marrying a white Jewish woman instead of a Latina. It's all there on Wikipedia. And uh, I want you to know that that is a sin. That is a shanda that I committed against your people, the Jewish people. And that is why I am a recovering anti Semite, and I'm starting a new foundation that I hope many of you will consider contributing to, the anti-Semite anonymous group that is going to bring in a lot. On this historic day back in the United States, a hip-hop brother of mine, a man who made his bones in politics at the same time I did, proud African-American, he went to Midwood High School, went to public schools, And he made himself into an elected official representing a large swath of Brooklyn, first as an assemblyman and then as a congressman. Universal support for him today on the floor of the House amongst all of his Democrats. No opposition. He was elected the Democratic leader of the House. And if you know anything about Congress, in the future, he might well become Speaker of the House of Representatives. Number three in ascension, my brother, my hip-hop brother, Hakeem Jeffries. Let me tell you something. I am going to try to get his uncle enrolled 
in this new organization, Anti-Semitic Anonymous. I'm a recovering anti-Semite. Conrad Muhammad, a.k.a. Conrad Tillard, is a recovering anti-Semite. And the worst anti-Semite ever to live in New York City is Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who is a tenured professor at City University and head of black studies and the uncle of Hakeem Jeffries, my friend. And this uncle filled his mind full of anti-Semitism, took him on tours of Egypt in which he decried the Jews and, in fact, talked to him often, as he did to many young black men and young black women, that, in fact, it was the Jews who controlled the slave trade right out of Amsterdam. Was every ethnic group involved in the making of Hollywood and the negative images of African peoples? Was every ethnic group involved in the making of the Sambo image, in the making of the Stephen Fletcher? Yes. Which was the ethnic group that had a particular interest in that, a particular influence in that? Why can't we get at the truth of that? That's not a defamation of all Jews. It's a defamation of European Jewry that was participating in white supremacy but in America. Reflecting a culture of white supremacy. When you say that, Professor Jeffries, there you go. You raise the flag of a whole group of people rather than... This was on a program with then Charlie Rose on PBS, our public broadcasting system, in which he was blaming white European Jews for supporting white supremacy in the United States. But then he also had preached and continues to preach because he's still alive that the Jews controlled the slave trade out of a Jewish synagogue in Amsterdam. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go to Amsterdam and get a book by Jonathan Israel on European Jewry in the age of mercantilism, 1550 to 15, 1550 to 1750? And there's a picture of the Amsterdam synagogue, which was the center of slave trading for the Dutch. Amsterdam became a leading port in this period of time for slaving. And it was around the synagogue. And let me tell you this, as a recovering anti-Semite, my mission now will be to return to New York to begin this foundation the Anti-Semites Anonymous group that I hope many of you will consider funding from throughout the world is my very dear friend, Comrade Muhammad, now Reverend Comrade Tillard, used to be the leader of the Nation of Islam led by Louis Farrakhan in New York City. And I promise you that I will go out and we will mentor Dr. Leonard Jeffries in the last years of his life. He's still alive, but we, we believe that we can rid him of his anti-Semitism. Look, it worked for me. It worked for Conrad Muhammad. We will reach out to Kanye West, Yeezy, a.k.a. Ye. We will reach out to Kyrie Irving, who plays basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. I know a lot of you Greeks. Oh, your guy, right, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's, like, uh, incredible. He's incredible. He's the MVP. And we're going to reach out to Kyrie And we're going to reach out to Nick Cannon also because all of them, too, were influenced by Louis Farrakhan. I just want you to hear again how he entrapped us into becoming anti-Semites and how we must free so many when we go back 
from the evil grip of a man who was considered the second most popular African-American in poll after poll in America, second only to former President Barack Obama. You brought them out of college and high school and gave them a contract. You gave them a contract because you saw their talent. Haven't they made money for you all? So now you sign them up. And then Adidas comes by and Nike comes by and gives them a lot of money that they don't see. You have them on a leash. I promise you, I will break the grip of anti-Semitism in our African-American community. That's the result of the teachings of Louis Farrakhan. Thanks for having me here today. Efkaristo Yasu. And on to have a nice plate of musica before I'm on my way to Qatar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. A gift from Patrick Juve on the disco floor so many years ago. Proud Frenchman, when rarely you would hear a disco song that had any political overtone or uh, any patriotism about America. I can only think of one other one, Paul Hardcastle, 19, about the Vietnam War, how uh, the average age of someone serving in Vietnam was 19, the average age of someone serving in World War II is 26. Great song. You never heard it before. you got to get... 19 by Paul Hardcastle, and this one, I Love America by Patrick Juve, a Frenchman. Now, when I last look at the standings of FIFA, 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 I smell the tuchus of a drunk Englishman in Qatar. The French are still in it, right? Oh, yeah, the French are still in it, right? Poland is still in it, right, right, but there's no Macedonia in there, uh, Macedonia, Phil, none whatsoever. And uh, let me indicate, as many of you already know, I hate, I loathe, I despise this football that they spell with a U, that they uh, call kickball, go, 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 and they're never any goals. It's the most boring sport you'd ever want to watch, other than golf and tennis. I hate those three together, but let's stick to the topic at hand. Because I noticed there are a lot of gold bricks, slackers, and deadbeats who use this as an excuse, World Cup, not to do their work. Not to do their work. Because they're too busy watching Croatia play another team they can't even find on the map. But unfortunately, there are those who are their bosses or have employed them, who have been swept up in this fervor. Because as I was listening to uh, Joe Tapioca Head, a.k.a. Takapina, with Sid Rosenberg this morning. 
Uh, a guy who is a liar for hire chases ambulances by day and owns a low-grade uh, soccer team in Italy. You know, he was talking about, oh, yeah, now now with our victory against Iran, now that we go into the knockout round, soccer has finally arrived in America, right? Soccer has finally arrived in America. Never, never will. Let me explain to all of you sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys, and your newfound friends of soccer that you have been trying to brainwash generation after generation to go out into the soccer pitch instead of playing the real football, smash mile football. That's American football. That's football played on the gridiron. And, in fact, you're trying to discourage parents from letting their sons and even, in some cases, their daughters play smash mouth football. Or you say, oh, it's too dangerous. And then, of course, there's uh, the sport that used to be uh, national pastime, baseball, but... It's just too predictable, too boring for a new generation. And I understand that. And, of course, the sport that it was rising up in the ranks, um, professional basketball. But yesterday I was offended at all Americans cheering on the American team. That, By the way, Lou has no chance of getting into the final round or even anywhere near the final round. They probably lose to the Netherlands, the Dutch who will be smoking ropes of dope and having hash before their match on Saturday 9 a.m. They'll kill the United States. They'll knock them out. And what? All for beating Iran. Now look at what those Iranians must undertake. They have to go back to the Ayatollahs. Certain death. They wouldn't sing the national anthem in their first uh, match on the pitch with England. The Americans removed the Muslim symbol on the Iranian flag, which is going to cause those Iranians all kinds of grief. And now they're going home to get a pork chop, meaning a poke and a chop. It'll be off with their heads. Are you all satisfied? We could have lost so that the Iranians would have lived another day. Ah! 